We're going to be in the Gospel of Matthew as we continue on in our study there. We'll be actually in chapter 10. The title, if I get this right, because I gave it to Chris, is Pick Me, Choose Me, Use Me. You won't confuse me. Okay, that's your title. Pick me, choose me, use me. You won't confuse me. And so in the context of the Lord's calling on our life is what that relates to. And our assurance as he distinctly knows us, the Holy Spirit has given us distinct giftings that we have the privilege of using as we discover what it is he has distributed. Those things are evidenced by how we move into discipleship. We're all inevitably being moved towards discipleship, but moving into discipleship is that conscientious choice that an individual makes beyond the argument of why not. I could say probably with assurance that all of you have been and are being called as disciples. Sometimes the word frightens people because of what usually is associated with, with what it means, following the Lord and this freaky expectation that we're going to lose a lot in the process. As opposed to gain much, we always presume we're going to lose it all, lose a lot. I'm just going to be a loser. And that's usually the taunting of the enemy, but we don't necessarily recognize it. In the recognition of it, though, you know, Jesus had a very determined and serious lifestyle. And he's not asking us to wear Jewish robes, simple linen, and carry knapsacks and blankets. Some have done that. I mean, literally done that to look like him and seemingly walk like him. But usually I've never confused myself with those and what I know of Jesus. And I let them take their course and walk. I have actually seen that. It's kind of a living picture. I don't doubt that even the Lord may be in those visuals just prompting my heart, reminding me, do I take messengers seriously if they, for instance, look out of touch, out of time? And so one of the things that we always will be tested on is basically the ability to have discernment and reception. And most importantly, that we also have a discipline in our life that allows us to be directed very affirmatively by the Lord and that we carry it out very confidently, whatever that may be. A lot of decisions are being made by you every single day, every minute through the hour of what would be your vocational effort. Most of us say that by the end of the day, we just got to sleep on it, sleep it off. So all of this right now is an intro to what is obviously in the title. Pick me, choose me, use me, you won't confuse me. 
it's the same enthusiasm that we see, I did anyways, firsthand as an elementary teacher. Recess was the favorite subject, PE right behind it. Recess perhaps more so because it granted greater liberty. PE secondarily, but it was planned, it was methodical. I governed everything about it. Recess, I just was a lawful overseer of behavior patterns on the playground. I was kind of the sheriff. And so there was a difference. But what I always knew is wherever any individual was, they wanted to be picked. I may need two AA batteries. So if you could find those, that'd be great and just have them ready to go for me. And so there was always without, in my opinion, any exception, everybody waiting in a line to be chosen to get their turn at something that would bring meaning to their life and status among their peers. Whether it was organized athletics or truly the liberty of recess or the organizational prowess demonstrated in a variety of physical activities in PE. Physical education is what that stood for. I never knew what PE meant until I became a teacher. Ah, that's what they meant. <laughs> Literally, I was a teacher. <laughs> two plus two? Ah, that's what they meant. I learned as I went along. <laughs> so at any rate, <laughs> I don't know whether it was funny. Let's go ahead. Get into a note that's going to be a preamble to where we will be, which is Matthew 10. And then we will hold our place also in a place called Luke chapter 6. But I'm going to have this as a word to ground us right now. And it is found in 1 Corinthians chapter 14. And it's one verse. It's one verse extracted from the protocols of the conduct of the church. So that's important to understand. It is an extraction. It has deeper meaning. It is corrective in its context. But as a word, as a line, it is very appropriate that you can anchor this to your soul. You do not have to live in confusion you do not have to embrace doubt. Those things can happen, and you must resist them overwhelming you. They're just a part of your faith being tested, and you as well demonstrating strength in the taunting at times of the enemy, or what may be for you the maturing of your faith by believing in God and what he said. But in 1 Corinthians, in this verse of the 33rd verse, it says this, For God is not the author of confusion, but of peace, as in all the churches of the saints. So let's remember that the church is not to be confused. You are the church, singularly and in plurality. As we gather here, we're the church, plural. 
as we leave here independent of this place, we're the church, singular. But either way, your mission is the same. It's to represent the Lord as best as you are able and as certainly God has equipped you. The differences in how we manage that activity is really at, I believe, our discretion. I was talking to Everest, and we were talking about it, evangelizing and things like that. And I just shared with him that in my life, I've learned that the Lord does not expect me to go after everybody. But when someone is put in my path, then the expectation seems to be of a supernatural, natural encounter. And I can take advantage of it, believing that God has given his vantage to me, his perspective to me in that moment when I have intersected somebody in my life. I have gone after, in pursuit of what I thought was the Lord's will, and jeopardized myself on at least three occasions, meaning that I was nearly killed by individuals that did not have a heart for God and I believe honestly were minions of Satan. I used to do what I thought was just a godly kind gesture and that was pick people up in my car and take them where they needed to go. And there were at least, again, three occasions in which I know in that, had there not been an intercession, I would have been killed. Coming back from a missions trip, car seemingly broken down. Don't even know how that happened. And my van pulled over. There was a gal that got out of the car and showed distress, meaning, I don't know what's happened to my car. And so as soon as I rolled down my window and she was communicating with me, somebody, which was her boyfriend, flew out of the woods and jumped in my van and told her to get in and told me where I was going. And I said, what are you guys thinking? And he told me to shut up. And I said, listen, I'm a missionary. I've just come from a long drive. I'll take you where you need to go. But you don't need to be controlling me right now. And so actually this girl that was used as kind of the decoy, um, she saddled him down. She was actually a servant of the Lord for me. But the entire time, you can bet your booties I was praying what do I do with this insane couple? Only one possessed their sanity, but neither of them possessed the peace of God. And so I determined that as we were driving, I would share the word of the Lord. That eventually drove them insane, and they said, let us out. <laughs> the Lord saved me through that too. <laughs> And then it was so good to just go, you know, and leave them in the dirt. So I got a little bit off. But the point that I'm making on this is that it's a great anchor verse to give the evidence that you need that 
Confusion is really a choice that you make to be confused. It's actually one of the popular words right now. And I do laugh. I hear it. And I think it must be just the way that it said, you know, I'm confused. <laughs> and though I may be, I do not want to admit it. You know, I'm intelligent. And it's also a little bit of handsomeness that goes in with it. Um, so I try to be just a little bit different than that. But I'm humored by those that say, I'm confused. It's become a popular word. Well, the Lord says here that he's not the author of confusion, but of peace. And so one of the things that we know in order to stand firm on that is the peace of God is what a person possesses who walks with God. Doesn't mean you can't have anxiety. It doesn't mean that you will not battle with depression. Spurgeon, great preacher, was one who, in fact, did battle with deep depression. I've been in depressing moments. I have. I equated it with being in a sealed steel coffin and dropped into the deepest lake. Um, and I know exactly who was authoring that, and it wasn't God. And I had to trust in the Lord in that time of affliction, because that wasn't of God. But it was real to me. And so people battle feelings all the time in their learning of how to express faith confidently. So you can anchor yourself here. And actually, the reason that I can spend more time in these areas is because we're just going to be introduced to the guys you already know. But it's important to see how they were introduced. In the synoptic gospels, meaning the stories that seem to collaborate uniformly, which is Matthew and Mark and Luke, we get clear high definition with regard to how this event happened. And hence, that's why the title comes out. Pick me, choose me, use me. You won't confuse me. Jesus right now has obviously, from where we're at, fully engaged himself in ministry. Matthew's a very active book. And it leaves out some details that Matthew was not motivated in the way that was pertinent to the story he was telling. He's moving us very quickly along the path to Calvary. But as we make comparisons, we'll see a paradigm or a pattern that Jesus used in what we can say was the time in which we said, pick me, pick me, pick me. See, actually, when you go back and connect that with your elementary years or as far back as you can remember for your attention for mommy or daddy or friendships, pick me, pick me, pick me, or relationships, pick me. The Lord is actually inspiring that in you to say, that's what I want you to say to me. Amen. That's really all that is. It's preparatory. There's actually events in our life that God has ordained in which what we say is actually what he wants to hear. So take note of that. Any other thing or person can be at a specific time until there's maturity achieved 
a distraction. But God gives those little catchphrases, that little chirping voice, that enthusiasm to be picked. Pick me, pick me, pick me. What's the difference between the pick me and the choose me? Well, the pick me relates to what is really a desire that's on your heart. The choosing represents really the desire that's on the Lord's heart. And what he wants to do is collaborate both with what is your desire and what his desire is. That as they merge, it becomes a blessed union of accepting responsibility and moving responsibly in the spirit. That's probably the best that I can make of it right now. In chapter 10, these men have already, if you would, had an answer to their heart's desire. They got picked. Now that's different than getting picked off. That's different. Or getting picked on. Those things happen. But they actually, in the time of their introduction to Jesus, were picked. And Jesus did it en route. He was on the move. And out of curiosity, there were those that came to him. But the Lord, en route, addressed the heart's cry of these men. And what we saw, at least in some of the overt passages, was response. And that's a cool thing, is to know that God awaits response. That's a good thing. So here we go. And when he had called his 12 disciples to him, he gave them power over unclean spirits to cast them out and to heal all kinds of sickness and all kinds of disease. Now the names of the 12 apostles are these. First, Simon, who is called Peter, and Andrew, his brother, James, the son of Zebedee, and John, his brother, Philip and Bartholomew, who will also be known as Nathaniel, Thomas and Matthew, the tax collector, James, the son of Alphaeus, and Lebaeus, whose surname was Thaddeus, or Jude, the zealot, Simon, the Canaanite, and Judas Iscariot, who also betrayed him. This is the list right here. This is them. And notice the special word there, called. All things work together for good to those who are what? Called, according to God's purposes. The called. A term that works well with that, that Paul defines as election. God knows who are his, and he pursues them to his satisfaction. There's not one person that, again, at the end course of their life, can say that God never called them. He's the one team captain that lets everybody get off the bench. If you were a bench warmer, you know what that feels like. I mean, you're in uniform and it's kind of, yeah, I look cool. And you got to run out in the field and, you know. But basically, your place on the bench is to stand up when the team has a touchdown or to look chagrined or even be praying that one of your teammates get hurt so you can go in. That's probably what a majority of them do. Come on, 
Get him. Get to, I need a chance. Pick me. Pick me. Hurt that guy. Hurt him. Hurt him. And so, now, I'm not suggesting to you that I was a bench warmer. I was a wide receiver. I was very good until I stopped growing. <laughs> so the names right now are presented, and the key word there is called. And the reason that that's an emphasis is that it suggests that there's been something else already done. The pick-me part of it has happened insofar as there's already been a traveling that has taken place. Okay? Because remember in Matthew chapter 5, they had already been in attendance at the mount in which the Beatitudes were taught. Okay? And so everything that you're seeing right now is actually coursework by foot, moving with Jesus and collecting people. But the distinction here is being made by naming these 12. Why is it important that right now to take a flashback to Luke? And I'm going to direct your peepers to Luke chapter uh, 12. Excuse me, 6. And you'll go to verse 12. So in chapter 6 of Luke and approximately verse 12 actually specifically, see, you're not going to be confused. Now it came to pass in those days that he went out to the mountain to pray and continued all night in prayer to God. This very likely is the authentication of the first part of what was the calling because what we see is Jesus spent an entire night in prayer. And what was he praying for? He's God. This is what I believe it was. It wasn't, oh, my Father in heaven, help me pick right. Help me not to make a mistake. Oh, how I want to do your will. This is what I believe all night in prayer was for him. For them. For him all night in prayer. For them. Pick me. Pick me. Pick me. Pick me. Pick me. Can I validate that? No. <laughs> I can't. It's poetic, but it's also authentic. I believe that it wasn't, oh, I could make a mistake on this. I've got to be in prayer all night over it. I really believe, Father, touch their heart that they pick me to follow me, to change the world with me, and that I will leave them in for your glory. Now, I believe that that is not far off because Jesus is presently our high priest and our intercessor. The Spirit is praying and Jesus is praying over us. And isn't that a comfort when we also know that he's inspiring saints to pray as well alongside of us. I think that's just awesome. It's great comfort. In times in which your comfort is not possessed because your peace has taken a peace march from you, you must know that in the position of Jesus and the residency of the Holy Spirit and the brethren and sisters that are praying, it's a great comfort. 
You got to be anchored in that. So as we look at this, in those days he went up to the mountain to pray and continued all night in prayer to God. And then what happens? And when it was day, he called his disciples to himself. And from them, here's a key word, chose. It says he chose 12 whom he also named as apostles. So we won't go over the list again, but we see an insightful word. He chose. He knows whom he chooses. He chooses specifically, but every person that presently as a believer in those that even do not know are not fully understanding that that's all he wants to hear. Pick me, Lord. Pick me. And then Jesus is saying, pick me. Choose me. I choose you. Choose me. Choose me above all other things, all other persons, all other dreams and visions. And when that happens, we see other promises activated. Delight thyself in the Lord, and he shall give you the desires of your heart. Trust also and commit your ways to him, and he shall do it, direct it, let it happen, roll it over on you, flood you with it. And so those are great promises. Those are great promises. One of the things that I realized very early in my life was resistance to the Lord. And I was a believer. I was a Sunday school kid. But I knew that what I was doing, and this was probably very early teens, was not wanting to pick him because I wanted to pick things out for me. And I've shared this before, but maybe not on video record. But doing the dishes one day, pulling out the rack, I, you know, back in the 70s, you'd hang your cups on the wall with clever little hangers. Maybe we still do. And everything was in the greens and yellow motifs. And, and I grabbed for this mug that had been left out on the counter, probably by me. And I was putting it in the dishwasher and thought nothing of it. Closed the dishwasher, washy, 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 cycle completed, pulled it out. And as I was pulling this one out among the last, among the last, as I grabbed it, I turned it around, spun it in my hand, and it simply said this, the Lord. And I'm going, huh? I've never seen that before. I've never seen it before. And I was just amazed, and I was shocked. And I know that at that time, as I was doing that industry, the Lord was letting me know I had decisions to make for him, not apart from him, and not to choose what I would do without it being a choice that God had gifted me to make. But I never forgot that. It would still be years before I conformed ultimately to calling him Lord in that sense of governance. But he never let me forget the cleansing of the cup. And he said, I want to do that with you. And so that was a time in which both picking and calling me, or if you would, choosing me, 
was beginning to manifest itself in which I could not deny it any longer at the age of 31. Couldn't deny it. Chose to enter into it. So just about half my lifetime ago. What's the point that I'm making in this particular study? Well, if it is pick me, and if it is choose me, then what we see revealed here are assignments that are given in which it emphasizes use me. But that's a tricky one too, because being used by the Lord means that that is his prerogative, and what he chooses to use you for is his responsibility and privilege. When I determine what it is I want to do, and I negate what he has ordained me to do, I get put very often in awkward circumstances, and I very often have to endure something that God would have spared me from had I just had a different acuity. The picking and the choosing are the Lord's, and being used or utilized by the Lord is when you trust him in sovereignty, that regardless of your behavior or other men's behavior, his will shall be accomplished. It's a resting point. He will act on his behalf regardless of man's behavior. So if one of us, in behavioral terms, says, I am going to be compliant with the Lord, guess who has the advantage over the one who chooses to be rebellious to the Lord? The compliant one. That's why it's something that, as an ordinance, is important, the act of obedience. How do I comply with the Lord? Just obey. What if I don't obey? You'll get a ticket, citation. You get a warning, flat tire. You'll get something guaranteed. But you'll also get a lot of grace and you'll also get a lot of mercy because he's a God that operates in compassion as he raises us up into maturity. That's why it's very important for this younger generation. You 20-year-olds, you need to understand, in the context of the early church, the ones that were following the Lord, pace, footstep, in a variety of the incredible travel plans the Lord ordained, they were in their 20s. They were in their 20s. Jesus wasn't the younger of them. It is very likely he could have been at least 10 to 13 years older than the men who were with him. Very likely. These were young men, and there were also young women that followed the Lord. They, the gals, to minister to him personally and to his disciples corporately, and the men to be learning in the footsteps of the Lord. And you know what? If you take accounts of them, some things they did really good. Most of the time, they didn't have it together at all. So guess what? If you're one that says, I don't have it together at all, you're in good company. Jesus likes actually that challenge because you are no challenge. In other words, we are given an opportunity afforded to see the patience of God play out in ultimately the plans that we make. 
He can outweigh us in everything. Have you ever had God outweigh you? Your move, God. Angels, another song, please. Lord, it's it's your turn, and He just outweights me. No, 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 no. It's not my turn, Rich. It's turn to me. Learn of me. Love me and follow me. I'll outweigh you. You'll be a thirty-year-old man next time we talk. And so I was. I had an opportunity at fifteen. Chose to just get a little bit older, a little bit uglier. Some years down the road. <clears throat> I could, he could have had me when I was just everything good about me. He waited until I had no boasting points. And so these disciples, and we won't name them again, but we want to say, with confidence parallel both of these passages before they were prayed. And they weren't prayed over that Jesus would make a mistake. They were prayed over that the choice would be agreeable. Even for one like Judas Iscariot, come on, God, he didn't make a mistake. Do you realize that the Lord prays for even those who will be betrayers of him or traitorous to the cause of the church? Talk about a gracious God. I would be reducing my enemy alliances quickly. Hey, Judas, would you go out and find some lentils in that field over there? Okay, why me? I thought I heard a lion over there. You're hearing things, Judas. Just go get the lentils, okay? He spared them up to the time in which he would not spare himself. And so the picking and the choosing and the using and now in the closure for what purpose? That he is not confusing. He will not confuse you. Here's what happens as we return to Matthew chapter 10. He sends them out. The sending out has at times a mystery to it because it tends to speak of foreign missions and that is true for some of you it will be but not all of you. When missionaries spoke, I listened, was fascinated, but in no way did it necessarily inspire me to go to India or definitely not Africa. There was like 23 shots that was required to go to Africa. I flat out just said, Jimmy, thanks for the honor, privilege. I know that flying with you 23 hours would be awesome, but there's no way I'm going to get 22 shots in my arm. I was one of the fastest of the twins when we ran from you know, the medics, the corpsmen at the military base. We were the worst Ablett brothers. We could not be caught, and we would turn things over in hallways. We would, we would, at any rate, we weren't going to stick those in our arms. And so 
that would not have made sense to me. But in one day, one time, what made sense to me was simply in a moment, in a night of communion, on my knees, the Lord said, go to the mission. And because it was distinct and because I was communing with him, because I had been involved in following him faithfully, then I knew it was only an act of obedience that I needed to follow up on. At that time, I was writing prolifically. My intentions were to be a famous gospel recording artist, former teacher, and the Lord put that before me, and I canceled recording sessions and a couple of concerts that had been planned, and that was all suspended to go down to a place called Carmen Serdan, Mexico. Now, what if I had said, you know what? You've anointed me to write songs. You've given me liberty away from public education. There's the world is my pearl. And if I'd said that, there are some people that you know that you would have never met because that would be Christy and my kids and we would have probably never met you. That act of obedience served to be a foundation of fruitfulness that I'm able to definitely say I believed. I was not confused because of how I had seen God use me, because I knew that God had chose me, and because I was picked by God, and it was because he picked me and prayed that I would pick him. And I was willing, as I've said before, to endure hardship. It was only for a season, but it was hardship. Aren't you glad that your mothers endured hardship for a season, like nine months? Aren't you? Yeah. Because had they not endured hardship for that season, you wouldn't have had any seasons. That's pretty awesome. I don't know what to say about dads. What was <laughs> I don't, I mean, it is, it can be rather hard in those nine months, you're, you know, oh, honey, you're uncomfortable, I'm sorry, here's a pillow, you can't cook tonight, really, I got to, or when you're on the night watch with the baby, mercy, Lord, thank you, and he was. And so in this sending out, commands them to say, do not go into the way of the Gentiles and do not enter a city of the Samaritans, but go rather to the lost sheep of the house of Israel. And as you go, preach, saying the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Heal the sick, cleanse the leopards, raise the dead, cast out demons freely. You have received Freely give. Provide neither gold nor silver nor copper in your money belts, nor bag for your journey, nor two tunics, nor sandals, nor staffs, for a worker is worthy of his food. Now whatever city or town you enter, inquire who in it is worthy and stay there till you go out. And when you go into a house, greet it. If the household is worthy, let your peace come upon it. But if it is not worthy, let your peace return to you. 
And whoever will not receive you nor hear your words when you depart from that house or city, shake off the dust from your feet. Assuredly, I say to you, it will be more tolerable for the land of Sodom and Gomorrah in the day of judgment than for that city. They're getting the command on how to basically take a missions trip. They are also being given a directive. I don't want you to talk to the neighboring communities that are not of the household of faith. The other thing that we see is to pack light, because this is how you're going to learn how to trust me. Not by how much you got, but by how little you have, and how much I can multiply that, and the favor that I will give you to the places that I will deliver you to. The curiosity is when he starts speaking about the domestics, who is worthy? And it is a little bit confusing. Would they say that, and would it have meaning to somebody that hears it? Basically, it's saying, what household would be open to show hospitality? That's the worthiness of it. It's not that they were more worthy than the household. It's a household that was exercising hospitality to welcome strangers in. If they were welcomed into a house as strangers, that household was worthy. In the household, when the message would be given, Jesus says, attend to their response. And the indication here is that they would not necessarily be ignored and offended. It's that some of those households would treat them very rudely for what it was they were saying. Those were the households that would shake. Obviously, they would shake the dust off their sandals over. They were to exercise discretion and discernment, but it was basically saying, that how they respond to you will indicate what they will not do for me. For them, the way that you're going to get over it, just shake the dust off. It will send a message to them, which it would. It would send a visual message saying, basically, same to you, <laughs> and more of it, spiritually. And they were to proceed on. They weren't to say, oh, it's so hard. They, they were not to do anything else but proceed on for a house that would exercise hospitality because the message would have been a great one. Really? A new kingdom? Oh, I want to hear about it. I want to have a hope in it. I hate what's happening in our governance right now by Rome and our leadership that succumbed to them. And so this was what their protocol was, which was to be free. They were to trust the Lord. Paul later would address to the church those who were not laboring for the sake of their families, calling them even as heathens or unbelievers or the worst of the worst. And so there is responsibility when you have a household. But when you're free, which they were at this time, they were free to trust in the Lord completely, which they did. When you look at the apostles in their early callings, they left behind their vocations to take a vacation with the Lord, vacating what they did and traveling in a duration with the Lord. And so in faith, that's where we're at. We know that we can have confidence in the Lord because he authors not confusion, pick me, Choose me, use me, you won't confuse me. 
he will not confuse you. Your desire is and should be voiced to him, Lord, that's my heart. And when you've exercised that heart, then be prepared for the desires of your heart to be met in surprising ways, amazing ways, ways that cannot be imagined, but they will be genuinely tactile. You'll get a touch him. It's amazing what he does. <laughs>